sentence of Scripture. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by following his laws which he set before us. O Lord, open our lips, and I might for proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be for ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Our psalm this morning is Adeus Misrature. Psalm 67 Save me, O God, for the waters have come up even to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I have grown weary with crying. My throat is raw. My eyes have failed from looking so long for my God. Those who hate me without any cause are more than the hairs of my head. Those who would destroy me are mighty. My enemies accuse me falsely. Must I now give back what I never stole? O oh God, you know my foolishness, and my faults are not hidden from you. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be disgraced because of me, O God of Israel. Seal for your house has eaten me up. The scorn of those who scorn you has fallen up on me. I humbled myself with fasting, but that was turned to my reproach. I put on sackcloth also and became a byword among them. Those who sit at the gate murmur against me, and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, I make my prayer to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God. Answer me. O God, in the abundance of your mercy, and with your sure salvation, draw me out of the mire that I sink not. Let me be rescued from those who hate me, and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood drown me, neither the deep swallow me up. Let not the pit shut its mouth up on me. Answer me, Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me in the multitude of your mercies. Hide not your face from your servant. Be swift to answer me, for I am in trouble. Draw near to my soul and redeem me. Deliver me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, my shame and my dishonour. My adversaries are all in your sight. Reproach has broken my heart. I am full of heaviness. I looked for some to have pity, but there was no one. Neither found I anyone to comfort me. They gave me gall to eat, and when I was thirsty, they gave me vinegar to drink. Let the table before them be a trap, and their sacred feasts a snare. Let their eyes be darkened that they cannot see, and give them continual trembling in their loins. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let the heat of your anger overtake them. Let their camp be desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in their tents. For they persecute the one whom you have stricken and increase the sorrows of him whom you have pierced. Lay to their charge guilt upon guilt, and let them not receive your vindication. Let them be wiped out of the book of the living, and not be written among the righteous. As for me, I am poor and in misery. Your saving help, O God, will lift me up. 
I will praise the name of God with a song. I will proclaim his greatness with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an offering of oxen, more than bulls of horns and hooves. The humble shall see and be glad. You who seek God, your heart shall live. For the Lord listens to the needy, and his own who are imprisoned he does not despise. For God will save Sion and rebuild the cities of Judah. They shall live there and have it in possession. The children of his servants shall inherit it. And they that love his name shall dwell therein. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis chapter 49, beginning in verse 29. Then he charged them, saying to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my ancestors, in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave in the field of Machpelah, near Mamre, in the land of Canaan, in the field that Abraham bought from Ephron the Hittite as a burial site. There Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is in it were purchased from the Hittites. When Jacob ended his charge to his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. Then Joseph threw himself on his father's face, and wept over him and kissed him. Joseph commanded the physicians in his service to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. They spent forty days in doing this, for that is the time required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him for seventy days. When the days of weeping for him were past, Joseph addressed the household of Pharaoh. If now I have found favour with you, please speak to Pharaoh as follows. My father made me swear an oath, he said. I am about to die. In the tomb that I hewed out for myself in the land of Canaan, there you shall bury me. Now, therefore, let me go up so that I may bury my father. Then I will return. Pharaoh answered, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear to do. So Joseph went up to bury his father. With him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the household of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's household. Only their children, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. Both chariots and charioteers went up with him. It was a very great company. When they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they held there a very great and sorrowful lamentation, and he observed a time of mourning for his father for seven days. When the Canaanite inhabitants of the land saw the mourning on the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning on the part of the Egyptians. Therefore the place was named Abel Mizraim. It is beyond the Jordan. Thus his sons did for him as he had instructed them. They carried him to the land of Canaan, and buried him in the cave of the field at Machpelah, the field near Mamre, which Abraham bought as a burial site from Ephron the Hittite. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. Amen. Our first canticle, the Benedicti. Bless the Lord, all created things, 
Sing his praise and exult him forever. Bless the Lord, you heavens. Sing his praise and exult him forever. Bless the Lord, you angels of the Lord. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts. Bless the Lord, you waters above the heavens. Sing his praise and exult him forever. Bless the Lord, sun and moon. Bless the Lord, you stars of heaven. Bless the Lord, all rain and dew. Sing his praise and exult him forever. Bless the Lord, all winds that blow. Bless the Lord, you fire and heat. Bless the Lord, scorching wind and bitter cold. Sing his praise and exult him forever. Bless the Lord, dews and falling snows. Bless the Lord, you nights and days. Bless the Lord, light and darkness. Sing his praise and exult him forever. Bless the Lord, frost and cold. Bless the Lord, you ice and snow. Bless the Lord, lightnings and clouds. Sing his praise and exult him forever. O let the earth bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, you mountains and hills. Bless the Lord, all that grows in the ground. Sing his praise and exult him forever. Bless the Lord, you springs. Bless the Lord, you seas and rivers. Bless the Lord, you wheels and all that swim in the waters. Sing his praise and exult him forever. Bless the Lord, all birds of the air. Bless the Lord, you beasts and cattle. Bless the Lord, all men on earth. Sing his praise and exult him forever. O people of God, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, you priests of the Lord. Bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord. Sing his praise and exult him forever. Bless the Lord, all men of upright spirit. Bless the Lord, you that are holy and humble in heart. Bless the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sing his praise and exult him forever. A reading from the first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. Now, in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together it is not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry, and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter I do not commend you. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves 
and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If you are hungry, eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for your condemnation. About the other things, I will give instructions when I come. Amen. Our Gospel Canticle, the Benedictus. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has come to his people and set them free. The Lord has raised up for us a mighty Saviour, born of the house of his servant David. Through the prophets, God promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of those who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears, and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath God swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hand of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous before him all the days of our life. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of all their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine in those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be for ever. Amen. May the words of my lips and the thoughts of my heart be always pleasing in your sight, O Lord my God. Yesterday, I spoke about how we express the unity we have in Christ primarily by coming together and sharing in the communion. How by eating the one bread and drinking from the one cup, we become the body of Christ, united as the one church. Today, though, we see the Lord's Supper as exactly what its name implies, a supper, a meal. Now, in the early church, like the one in Corinth, Paul's both writing to and criticising, the Lord's Supper was likely part of a larger feast, what we would call an agape meal, where believers would come together and share a meal and some fellowship, part of which involved this reenactment or representation, if you will, of Christ's Last Supper. Even today, with our more slim-lined feast, the table is still spread, and regardless of who is saying the prayers, the host of the banquet is still Christ, crucified, risen, and awaited, holding us as guests in that moment where past remembrance and future hope meet. It is, unsurprisingly, very hard to explain, briefly at least, the magnitude of what takes place here. Paul suggests in our text that it recalls the Last Supper. Yesterday he spoke of it uniting believers as one body and making them the church. It looks back to the crucifixion and yet forwards to a future banquet in the heavenly courts. 
It forces us to confront the reality that we as Christians are divided into countless denominations, yet calls on us to look forward and hope to a time when we are all one through the body and blood of Christ Jesus. It was the same for the people of Corinth. For them, divisions based on class or honour and shame was perfectly normal. Rich people ate, drank and socialised with other rich people. And the poor, well, they ate, drank and socialised with other poor people. And the two groups rarely, if ever, interacted with one another. But when they did, the rich were expected to put on a good show. And in return for putting on a good show and spending more, they got special privileges. So, at a common meal, the rich, having paid more, and having given a bigger contribution to this common meal, would have gotten first choice of the food. They may even have been given a special menu, unavailable to the lower class diners. And this seems to have been true even amongst the Christians in Corinth. We know they met in the homes of what 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 tells us were wise, powerful members of noble birth. People who had houses big enough to meet in and enough money to afford such communal suppers. Yet Paul complains in verse 21 of how some were stuffing themselves on this great communal feast, while others, of course, were left to go hungry. You see, the rich didn't have to work. Slaves did that for them. And so they could turn up to the Lord's Supper earlier than the others. They would have their meal and have it to excess, filling themselves up and getting blind drunk. Then, when the poor slaves finally got time to go to church, after their day of toil and labour, they found scraps if they were lucky, or more often than not, they found nothing but empty plates and drunken revellers. The rich were abusing their freedom and their wealth, and more than that, they were making a mockery of the sacrament and leaving the poor believers feeling utterly humiliated. That's why Paul reacts so strongly here. He basically tells them in verse 22 to get out, to sit in their houses if they want to pig out, or get drunk. Do whatever they want, but don't dare come to church, and don't dare pretend to care about the meaning of the Lord's Supper. The saddest part here, and it's easy to miss, is that while Paul gets stuck into them, while he really gets into this heated argument, the people themselves, both the rich and the poor, seem to have simply accepted the situation as perfectly normal. In turn, this special and holy meal had become just another drunken party, just an excuse to pig out. As a result, the Corinthians didn't take seriously the eternal consequences of their daily life in the world. In the supper, both by the words spoken and by the sharing of the bread and wine, they were to proclaim the Lord's death, making it present in the meal of remembrance until the Lord's return. But instead, they were making a mockery of it, to their own detriment. Today, of course, the communion service is quite different. But the duties we owe to our own communion, to our own communities, 
remain the same for us as they were for Corinth? Do we shore up food for ourselves while others living on the streets or in poverty are forced to go hungry? Do we eat the bread unworthily when we live in plenty and hoard our wealth while others starve? If the answer is yes, then we must repent for all those times we've eaten the body unworthily and repent for all those times we've taken the cup, not because we were worthy of it, but because we felt it was our right. We must instead strive to live better with God's help and recognise communion not as a statement of our own value or status as Christians, but instead as a means through which we can come together as one, in and through the presence of Christ, and glimpse the peace, joy and unity that will be realised at the end of time. May we put aside all our differences, all our sense of class or superiority, and instead say, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. Amen. Now, though we may be far apart, we can yet express our shared faith by saying together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Today the Church of Ireland commemorates MacArthur, the strong man of St. Patrick, who established the church in Clocker and spread the gospel in Tyrone and Fermanagh. We pray for the life and worship of the two diocesan cathedrals dedicated to St. MacArthur, one in the village of Clogher, the other in the town of Enniskillen. We remember the bishop, dean, clergy and people, giving thanks for their witness for peace and reconciliation, and that, in our times, Enniskillen has symbolised courage and tolerance in the midst of suffering and conflict. Heavenly Father, we thank you for MacArthur faithful companion of St. Patrick, and builder of your church and clocker. Build up your church through those whom you call to leadership in this generation, and strengthen your church to proclaim the gospel of reconciliation and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today, in our weekday intercessions and thanksgivings, we pray for the incarnate life of Christ, revelation and human knowledge. God our Father, you gave us your Son, Jesus Christ, to share our life on earth, to grow in wisdom, to toil with his hands, and to make known the ways of your kingdom. We pray for the people of Northern Ireland and for our own communities. Help us to band together in this time to help those in need and those in isolation, so that we may be over our present difficulties and come out the other side of this 
time stronger and more united than ever before. Amen. We pray for those who work, especially those who are working on the front lines of the NHS, the PSNI and armed forces. We also pray for all those working in our shops and warehouses and all those who are working to keep them supplied. Lord, be near to them. Give them strength and patience to endure these trying times and keep them safe from all harm as they seek to help keep this land healthy and working. Amen. We pray for all those who are unemployed, that they may find safe and secure work that treats them with dignity and respect. We pray that they would receive the support they need, that they would gain the skills they require, and that once this pandemic is over, they would gain employment. Until then, give them hope for a better future, and lift all fears of money worries from them. Amen. We pray for those in education, for those who are studying for exams or tests, only to find school has ended. For those who never got to say goodbye to their friends or teachers, but rather saw their schools shut with no hope of returning for some time. Lord, be with them. Let them know that you are near them, and this time of fear and illness will pass, and once again they will get to learn and play with their friends and peers. Amen. Lord, we pray for those in research, for those who seek to find a cure for coronavirus, and for those who are working to mitigate its effects. Help them, Lord. Guide them in their work, so that they may make progress quickly and efficiently, so that as many lives may be saved as is possible. Amen. We pray for those in communications who work to keep us up to date with all the news and facts that we need. And we ask, Lord, that you would ensure that they deliver us the truth and encourage them to remain objective in this time of misinformation and lies. Amen. We pray for those who maintain the life of the community in this time of isolation and separation. May your blessing be upon all those who seek to provide worship for your people, who seek to bring Christians together via the internet, radio, television, or papers, and all who seek to serve others in a spirit of communion during this crisis. Amen. God our Father, we give you thanks for Christ's revelation of yourself, his care for people, for the order of created things, the resources of the earth, and his joy in obedience. For the value he gave to human labour, the strength he promised us for service, the call to follow in his way, for all opportunities of work and of leisure, all truth that we have learned, and all discoveries we have made. Give us deeper reverence for the truth, and such wisdom in the use of knowledge, that your kingdom may be advanced, and your name glorified, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Collect of the Day Lord God, whose blessed Son, our Saviour, gave us back to the smiters, and did not hide his face from shame, give us grace to endure the sufferings of this present time, with your confidence in the glory that shall be revealed, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
the collect for the commemoration of St. McCartan. Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. Grant us grace so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to these inexpressible joys that you have prepared for those who truly love you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the first collect at morning prayer. O God, the offer of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life, and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your protection, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And together we pray as our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all evermore. Amen. To the King of Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory for ever and ever. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen. <laughs>